Good morning. I'm Catherine Haseman, and I'm reading the scripture today. The scripture, John chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, is found on page 94 in the New Testament of the Pew Bible. I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, My time is not yet here, for you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you for reading, Catherine. A little bit shorter scripture than last week. <laughs> I bet you were a little bit afraid, thinking, oh no, is he going to do that again? Oh. Well, uh, when my son was in high school, he was on the basketball team, and trying to be a good father, I would go to the games and take pictures. Uh, but the camera that I had was kind of a cheap camera, and maybe some of you have had cameras like this before, that when you push the button, it didn't take the picture right away. There is a slight delay. Some of you are like, oh yeah, you know this. And, and so uh, instead of buying a better camera, I just tried to anticipate the action and to time things to where I could, you know, you kind of had to say, all right, something's about ready to happen. I'll hit the button now. So it will take the picture at the right time. And I brought a couple of pictures. I told my son I was showing pictures of him this morning. He said, you know what? I'm used to being used for sermons, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> so this is a couple of the pictures. As you can tell, the results were not that good. Uh, a lot of blurry pictures and some bl- pictures where it looks like the guys are just kind of standing around doing absolutely nothing. Uh, because it was, um, it was almost impossible to time it with the camera that I had. Now, also taking pictures uh, was a woman. I can't remember if she was the mom of someone on the basketball team, but she would take pictures for publications and stuff like that. She had a much better camera than I did, uh, and so she would also stand under the basket in different places to take pictures. And you can kind of, she actually shared some of these pictures with us, and I think you might be able to see the difference in having a camera that lets you take good or perfect timing and having one that does not. He is the one with the ball, by the way. Uh, Yeah. So uh, in our scripture today, there's uh, Jesus talks about timing and his timing is different than his brothers. And I think as we take a look at this scripture, it will give us some insight on how we can find that perfect timing as well. So I invite you to pray with me now, and we will then take a look at our scripture. Father, lead and guide us as we dive into your word. I pray that you would help me to share the words uh, that you are laying on my heart uh, to your people, and I pray that your 
word would truly be a light to our lives and a lamp to our path. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee. He did not want to travel in Judea because the Jewish authorities there were wanting to kill him. The time for the festival of shelters was near, so Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave this place and go to Judea so that your followers will see the things that you are doing. People don't hide what they're doing if they want to be well known. Since you are doing these things, let the whole world know about you. Not even his brothers believed in him. The right time for me has not yet come. Any time is right for you. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I keep telling it that its ways are bad. You go on to the festival. I am not going to this festival. Because the right time has not come for me. He said this, and then stayed on in Galilee. So uh, Jesus is in his home area at this point because we know and he knows that the religious authorities are trying to kill him. So it seems like a good plan to stick around the, the, the home area. However, there was a fast festival that was about ready to take place. Uh, this translation says booths. The uh, good news translation that was in the video said uh, shelters and the NIV said tabernacles. It's all the same festival. And what this festival did was remember or commemorate uh, the time when Jewish ancestors were wandering around in the desert for 40 years. If you don't know the history, well, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt and God heard their cries and sent them a deliverer, a person to rescue them. Uh, That's the best picture I could find of Moses. I, I, I think it's really Charlton Heston though. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not really Moses. For those of you that don't know, I keep showing this picture. I want to make sure you know this is not Moses. Uh, but anyway, God sends him and he leads the folks from slavery to freedom and to the edge of the promised land. This was a land that God had promised to the Israelites long, long before. And they're there at the edge of this land and God told them to go in and take it, to conquer the land. But they're afraid. They're unsure. They hesitate. Instead, they send in 12 men to check the land out, to spy out the land, so to speak. And they come back and they say, the land was amazing. It was flowing with milk and honey, which in their languages, it's really great. You know, it's good, good land. In fact, they brought back some fruit that was just like huge. And they said, so it's great land, but... There's always a bud, isn't there? There are giants in the land, and they are huge, and they are scary, and we look like grasshoppers to them, and I'm sure that they felt the same way, that they were, we were just these small, small grasshoppers that they could just step on and squash. And so 10 of them said, if we go in, the land will devour us. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back, and they said, you know Yes, it's a great land. Everything that they said is true, but God is with us. And we will be able to do what God tells us to do. And we will be able to do what God calls us to do because he is with us. So we go and take the land because that's what God has called us to do. So 
uh, the Israelites got together and they said, you know what, we're going with the ten. Uh, it looks a little scary. Uh, it, it looks a little uh, like we're going to be devoured. So we are just, we're passing on this. God, sorry, but it looks a little bit too rough, too tough. Uh, we're not going to do it. And so the result was that they wandered around in the desert for 40 years until that generation that couldn't have faith in God died off and a new generation uh, grew up. But here's the cool thing. And I think this is what, because I'm thinking, why are they having this festival to commemorate unfaithfulness? You know, this was all about them not doing what God called them to do, and they're, they're celebrating it. I think what they were celebrating was even though the people were unfaithful, God never left them. He went with them in the wilderness. He traveled with them. They didn't have any permanent structures, so they would have to move from place to place, and they'd set up tents or, 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 or shelters or booths or something. And so that's what the people are doing to celebrate this festival. They're setting up temporary tents, things, and, and that's where they're, they're celebrating and living. And so that festival is coming up. And, and Jesus' brothers were saying, leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples might see your work, so they can see what you're doing. Now remember that last week, Something very troubling happened with Jesus. He, 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 he fed all these folks in the wilderness with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. And he had this big movement going. And then he had that whole teaching about if you're going to be, if you're going to be fulfilled, if you're no longer going to be hungry, you need to come to me. If you're, no, if you're wanting to not be thirsty anymore, you need to believe in me. And many of his disciples found that a difficult teaching. And what we saw last week in John 6, 66 was because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So he went from, we don't know how many disciples, down to the 12. Because you remember, he looks at them and says, are you guys leaving too? And they said, uh, no, we believe, we believe you have the words of life. You are the son of God. And so his brothers might just be thinking, you know, you're wanting this movement to go. You're wanting to build up your, your folks again. You need to go to Judea so that they can see your worst because everyone's going to be there. No one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. If you do these things, do show yourself to the world. And then John, had, because this, this actually seems, I mean, this seems like pretty good advice, doesn't it? If you're wanting to build a movement, if you're wanting to build momentum, let people see what you're doing so they can believe in you. But then John throws in this little, almost like a parathetical statement that kind of confuses folks. He says this, for not even his brothers believed in him. And so what John is saying is they shared this because they didn't really believe in Jesus. They're like, wait a minute. They're telling him to, to show the stuff that he's doing. It seems like they believe. But as we go through John, if you haven't noticed, there's this theme of belief. And there's different degrees or levels of belief. You have the belief of the crowd when they're being fed in the wilderness with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. And they believe in Jesus so much that they track him down. But then Jesus says to them, you're not looking for me because you understand why I'm doing this. Or you understand the signs is what it says in John. You're not doing it because you understand this. You're doing it because you had your, your bellies filled. That's why you're looking for me. 
And it seems like Jesus isn't looking for that kind of belief. And it seems like that's right where his brothers are. You know, let them see what you're doing so they might believe in, in you. And so Jesus responds, and this is great. He says, my what? My time has not yet come. But your what? Time is always here. And it seems like he's doing this contrast between the brothers' time, how they look at time and how they look at what they do, and how Jesus views his time and his actions. And so we kind of have these two time perspectives. And uh, for Jesus, as we look through the scriptures, his will, I would ask you, but, you know, it's kind of a longer, longer answer. His will is to do what God wants. Can we agree on that? I mean, we see that all through here. In fact, one point he told his disciples, my food is to do the will of God. And so he's waiting for God to give him the okay that, yeah, now you can go to Judea. Your time has come. Now it's time. He says, uh, your time is always here. Interesting, isn't it? Your time's always here. Why? Because you're calling the shots. You just do what you want. You do what you want. You do it when you want. There's no other perspective. It's just you. And so you do what you want, when you want. And for that reason, I think he says, the world cannot hate you because you're basically living like everyone else. Your mindset is the same as the crowd. Your, 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 your worldview is just like everyone else that I run into. But Jesus is living a different path, a different perspective. And he says, the world hates me Because just by him living this way, he is pointing out how different everyone else is living. And what's the difference between good and evil works? Well, good works are birthed from the heart of God. And that's what Jesus is waiting for. He's he's literally marching to the beat of a different drummer. Uh, We we use that phrase in America. It means you're, you're, you're not doing things like everyone else. Uh, and Jesus was marching to the beat of God's drum, God's heartbeat, when everyone else was just kind of doing whatever they wanted. And so he tells uh, his, his brothers to go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going. My time has not yet fully come. And he stayed in Galilee. You know, this whole time thing really, uh, you know, r- really interests me. I remember uh, a Sunday school lesson I had when I was in high school. I still remember this. And I would say if it wasn't for this Sunday school lesson, I would not be up here today. Uh, I can kind of point it to this lesson, I believe. Uh, And our Sunday school teacher was also our youth group leader. Her name was Rhonda. I think I might have mentioned her uh, before. Uh, She was not a biblical scholar. She hadn't been to seminary. She hadn't been to Bible college. She hadn't even been to college. Uh, She worked at Delco Electronics on the assembly line. Uh, Why was she leading our Sunday school and youth group? Well, I think basically because no one else wanted to do it. You know, thank you, Kathy. I I mean, it's the same, isn't it? I mean, there's not like a line waiting to to teach the youth uh, or to be with the youth for some reason. But she was willing to do it. I don't know the conversation the pastor had with her. We were not privy to any of that. But she was teaching our Sunday school class, and I still remember the graphic in the book. It was a circle, so you can imagine a circle, and in the middle there was like a throne, and on the throne there was an S, 
And off to the side, there was a little cross. And I thought, you know, I wonder if I can go on the internets and do some searches and find that graphic. I didn't find the exact graphic, but I found one that was pretty close to it. And that was this. Does this look familiar, my wife? Yeah, she was in the same Sunday school class. I think we both saw this. Uh, and so you see the S on the, on the chair there. What do you think the S represents? Any ideas? Sin? All right, that's good. It, self? Yeah, well, in our Sunday school class, I think sin is good too, but it represents self uh, that we are on. And that's a chair, but in the picture I saw, it was a throne. Because what I learned was we all have this throne in the center of our lives. And uh, the question is, who is on the throne? And in, in this picture, it was, it was self. And that's kind of where the brothers were. That's why their time is always here, because they basically call the shots. Jesus is there in the picture, but he's kind of off to the side. And we kind of have him over there. At least I did. Because when I saw this picture, I thought, oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, I don't know if I was a junior or senior at the time, but it's like, yeah, that's me. Jesus is in my life. I'd said yes to Jesus, but he was, he was kind of over on the side. I had him there in case I got into trouble. You know, when things are going well, everything's moving along and you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm on the throne. I'm calling the shots. And then something happens like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, I need you now. I need you to help me out of this mess. But what I learned was living this way, and, and it's called in this graphic that I found, the self-directed life, meaning that we're directing ourselves. Self is on the throne. They have crises outside the life. No, I think Christ is in the life. It's just the fact that he's not completely on, in control. And our interests are directed by us, ourselves. And this is the, the piece, often resulting in, do you see that? Discord and frustration. I would say dissonance. There's this thing in our lives that things just aren't quite right. And when things run well, we don't notice. When things are going well, everything is great. We're on the throne. It's wonderful. But there are times when we realize that things aren't quite right. This is where the brothers were. This is basically where the world is. Sometimes they don't have Jesus in the picture, but even uh, in the church, we often live a self-directed life. And what I learned is there's, I'm laughing because I, you might be able to tell that I've edited this next, next slide. I don't know. I tried to, to make it so it wasn't noticeable, but I think it might be. Uh, there is a, another way to live life. I don't know. Can you tell I edited that? Uh, and, and I call this the God-directed life or the Christ-centered life. There's a lot of words you can use. And that's where the cross or Jesus is on the throne. This is the life that Jesus was living. This is the life that Jesus was pointing out. This is why Jesus said, I'm not going to the festival because my time is not quite here yet. God hasn't directed me in that direction. And what we learn from this life is that uh, we yield our lives to Jesus. And we say, Lord, uh, you lead and guide me. I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to hear your direction, and I'm going to follow you. Uh, our interests are directed by Christ, which results in harmony with God's plan. And this is where that peace comes in that passes all understanding. 
Because there will still be trouble, there will still be problems, there will still be storms, there will still be difficulties, there will still be times when we don't know if we can continue to go on, but there will be this peace within us because we are aligned and in harmony uh, with God's purpose and his plans. Now, I wonder about the Israelites uh, when they came to the edge of the promised land. And God calls them to go into the land and they decide, you know what, we're not going to do that. You, you, you want to hear, you wanna hear the, 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 the disclaimer for this kind of life? You know, I believe when we are living the God-directed life, God always takes us to places of blessing. How many of you heard me say that before? Anybody catch that? Yeah, God always takes us to places of blessing. Here's the secret. On the outside, they don't always look like places of blessing. They, they don't on the outside. Uh, the, the, the Israelites, when they came to that promised land, that was a place of blessing. God said, I promised you this land. This is your land. You have to go in and take it. But when they got there, they looked, and it looked like a place of fear, of dread, of defeat, of being devoured. And because of that, they didn't go in because it looked like a lot of work and a lot of danger. And so they ended up, so, so I think of, of these two lives, they were basically uh, following this one. Um, there it goes. They were following this one. Because it's like, we're not going to do what God calls us to do. We're going to do what we feel is best. And they ended up wandering around for 30 years, and I think, uh, or 40 years. And I think we end up find ourselves in that same place when we follow that, that route. But the God-directed place God-directed life always takes us to places of blessing. I, I wonder about Rhonda when she looked at teaching the youth. And I know we gave her some hard times. I remember falling out of a, a moving car once. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I was trying to Were you there for that? Okay, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we, we gave her a lot of trouble. We gave her a lot of grief. But she continued to show up week after week. And I'm sure when she looked, she's thinking, oh my goodness, this is not a promised land. This is not a place of blessing. And I'm sure there were some friends that said to her, why are you doing this? Why are you spending your time uh, preparing these lessons for these kids? You know, it seems that they're not even listening. They're not paying attention. Why are you spending your time doing all this when there's so many other things that you could be doing with your time and with your life? I don't think she had any idea that one day at least one of her kids would be standing in front of a group of people telling her story. And I'm thankful for her. Because if it wasn't for that lesson, I don't think I would be here this morning. And in the season of, of giving thanks, I just want to thank God for using her. But more than that, I want to thank her for being used of God. Because no one else wanted to do it. And also, I want to say thank you for those in this congregation. There's very few, maybe six, that are following her path. And they're moving forward, and, and they're, they're teaching the youth, and they're teaching our kids. And sometimes it's really, really hard. And sometimes you wonder, you look, and it's like, oh, this does not look like a place of blessing. But here's the thing. You don't know it's a place of blessing until you're faithful and take the steps into the land. And so I'm thankful for them that they're taking steps into the land. 
And I want to encourage you because maybe God is calling you to take a step. You know, there, there's, there's a place that you know God's calling you to and you've been hesitating and it's like, oh my goodness, I can't do it. I'm not equipped. Rhonda wasn't equipped. She wasn't trained for this. But you know what? God has, God is amazing because he can take us where we are and do things with us that we never thought he could do. And I have no idea what's going to happen to the kids and the Kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. Hey, Maeve. <laughs> I'll point Maeve out. You know, you've been through this church and the youth and stuff, and we have no idea what God might do with you. I think we're seeing some glimpses maybe today. Uh, but we have no idea. We have no idea. But maybe God is calling you. To take those steps of faith. And maybe at this point you're a little afraid or a little fearful. I encourage you to take a first step. And and that's talk to Laura Hall. Just say, you know what? I'm not sure about this. I don't know where I fit in. I I don't think that I'm ready or prepared or trained. I don't even know what I can do. Uh, Talk to her. And uh, she will get you set up. Because I, I think it's too important for us to shrink back and become like the Israelites who wandered around. For 40 years. No, God's not going to leave you. He's going to be with you, and that's to celebrate. But you know what? God has so much more for us. And when we stand on the outside looking in, we never realize his, the depth of his love and his grace and his purposes. May you find pleasure in following him. Let's join together in prayer. Father, I pray that you would lead and guide us as we seek to follow you. There are always those two paths, Lord, and we can choose to, like Jesus said, we can choose to just call the shots and be on our own time and every, no one will argue with that or we can choose the path of Jesus and follow and allow you to lead and guide and direct us. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Our closing in this morning is hymn number